Welcome back to System Minutes Trivia, the podcast where we have a meltdown and it's serious. This is Brent. I'm a sophisticated linguini. <laughs> and I have no response to that. <laughs> <laughs> I win the podcast. I win. Uh, winner, winner, chicken dinner. Uh, I beat you guys. You I, I wasn't aware. I wasn't aware <laughs> we were holding a contest. Although sometimes we do. Yeah, we do. That one speaking, time. Yeah, Probably speaking never of, because well, no, 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 we will. Nobody but, entered. Well, yeah, we had one guy and he won. Yeah, we had yeah, one guy and he won. That was perfect. Granted, by default, you know, because he was the only one that entered, but he also did provide all the correct answers. Yeah. So, speaking of, by the way, if he is listening, I still haven't received the hope tickets. And if someone who works hope staff is listening, you need to get your shit together. Hey, yo, oh, we need our shit, man. I ordered the tickets a while back, and they're digital tickets like, so like five I, I days don't ago? know what the holdup is here no no i ordered the tickets back in like october it was maybe november it was before the shit show <laughs> i know i know i know when show. you did it it was the first round of tickets whenever I yeah i know when yes. you did it I, I was just kidding i was you know. it's been a while it's, it's similar to the okay, you know wait, the wait wait uh, never mind go ahead what's your thought well i thought of something recently yes. like just a bit ago everybody run yeah so here's the thing our website at the top of it says Linux, loggers, and late nights. Yes. But almost none of us drink beer anymore. So I was thinking that we should change it to Linux libations and late nights. Oh, I was going to say Linux liquor and late night, but I like libations because, because then it, it covers both. Yeah, right. Like we've got options, alcoholic options. Yeah, that's... So, that's... I, I mean, I would really be curious to hear what anyone's thoughts are on that change because that's going to do <clears> a lot of stuff. Does this mean we now need to rebrand? Although I like, I don't know, libations just sounds clumsy for a motto. I don't like it. Oh. I like Linux loggers and late nights. That's what I like. It's clumsy perfect. or classy? Well, if you can, I would libations go with. Libations are classy. If you go to a party, there's some fucking libations. You're no. having a good time. No, 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 no. Hear me out, Jason. So Linux and late nights are both two syllables. Logger is two syllables. And, you know, all start with that log, granted. That's obvious. The alliteration is obvious. Now, Libations is three syllables. All right, I have a solution. As an example, Linux, liquor, and late nights works. Linux, loggers, and late night works. Linux, libations, and late night just kind of throws the rhythm out the window. All right, so we just make up a shorthand for it, and we call it Bations. (laughs) Linux, Bations, and late nights. Well, then we lose the L. Well, alliteration isn't that good. It it is. Alliteration is the best thing ever. But What's also it called when you have patience, master, patience, <laughs> master, yeah. master, you know, like America, America, libations, patience. I no, I hate the word patience. <laughs> <laughs> Never say it again in my presence. <laughs> ever I again. I can't wait for hope. We're gonna have some patience. I'm gonna talk, talk about patience for like an hour on Statler. That is don't. all I'm gonna talk about when I'm there. <laughs> Matt is my master patience. No, just patience. Uh. They're different. Don't talk to me or my sons ever. Don't again. talk to me or my patients ever again. <laughs> don't yeah. Don't don't bation my me or my sons ever again. I will bation oh, all over this place, and you'll like it. Oh, okay. Weird. So oh, I had thought of we, something else too, what though. The fuck, dude? Yes, but I'm not sure if I can remember it. <laughs> Let me see. Let me see if I can remember. Uh huh. Hmm. Nope, not coming to me right now. If it comes to me later, I'll bring it up. Oh, okay. I don't watch it come up like in the middle of like something oh, I'm sure really it will. serious. Good and, too, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah, and just make everyone else lose their train of thought. Right. Yeah. Way to go, Jaytong. Right. Good job. So, 
Anyways, for this episode, we've got some points that we missed in our serious discussion points in the previous episode that we need to retouch upon. Retouch? Namely, touch upon again. Retouch, yes. As in, we've touched upon them in the previous episode, and now we are touching Are we using the same kind of paint that we used previously, or are we using another version (laughs) that's been mixed and we're not sure if it'll work out just right? No, no, R-E hyphen touch, not R-E touch. I know, I know, I'm teasing you. Go ahead. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) So, we'll be talking somewhat briefly, both further in detail about mentoring, and also about choosing an enterprise distro because we didn't really go a whole lot in, in depth there. We did not, and we, we kind of got that. off on a tangent about clear we did. OS or we did. And as someone who uses an enterprise distro daily, uh-huh. yeah, I'd like to put a little more input into that. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. You know, I would just like to say, oh, watch uh, uh, No, I'm going to save it. I'm going to save it. Good. Okay. All right. <laughs> right what in. are you drinking? <laughs> no, not Hayden, yet. Go. I'm not done. He's not done. You're done now. Oh my god. He's not. So. Beyond that, we also have our long put off rant about the independent package managers, right? Mm-hmm. And then mm. after that, if we get to it, we're gonna talk about just why the AMD vulnerabilities were so actually were were actually a thing to, to worry we'll about. We'll get to it. It'll be fine. Hopefully. Hopefully. It'll be fine. Might might be a long episode though. Yeah, if not, we'll talk about that next time. Yeah. This is yeah. good. Uh, honestly, I'm very comfortable with us having like overflowing topics because because it gives something to, to look forward to next Yeah, time. and it's better yeah. than not having enough topics. Which, true. Where we, we did just, run into last had. year. You know, <laughs> yeah, a bit. A bit. Definitely. Uh, a bitch? We've definitely what? cases like that. A bit. A, a bitch. bitch. He's doing a bit again. Oh, okay. oh, a, bit. oh a bit. Now, we can finally ask the question, what are you guys drinking? Peyton, go. Uh, I have three bottles of Miller Lite, and I fully intend on finishing all three of those. Fuck yeah. <laughs> I love Miller Lite. It's like the best fucking beer. Yeah, Almost. we we know you have terrible taste in beer. Jayton, yeah, what are you drinking? I, I don't shit on Payton like that. We're shitting on not no, shitting that on you. Actually, I make you. You know, I you can yeah. shit on Payton for other reasons, but not because of Miller Lite. <laughs> just no. as long as you put it in a bowl, it's not a big deal. Okay. <laughs> so you eat your Cheerios with it? No. Jesus Christ, you're so fucking. All right. Anyway. <laughs> so I I wow. am drinking Stranahan's. Wow. Okay. Tried and true classic for me. I am drinking Jefferson's Reserve. Jefferson's Reserve. Last time, I think. Yeah, last time. time. And the time before. I also have... No. And the time before. No. Previously, it it wasn't Jefferson's, I don't think. It was something else. I rotate between the bourbons. You know, I I take the... Usually it's bourbon, though. You're the slowest rotator I've ever met. I can spin around so much faster than you. That's because I have giant bottles of these things, Jathan. Just for that... At Hope 2018, I'm going to make you chug an entire bottle of whiskey. Oh my god. That will literally no, put me in the hospital. No, no, I'm going to I'm going to put a stop to that right now. I really <laughs> really do not want to have to carry his drunk dead ass anywhere to get his stomach pumped. So no. Okay, yeah, no no no, wait, 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 wait. Half wait a, a bottle. You have that's to realize half though. a bottle. If I were going to ask you to carry me anywhere, I'll give you one guess. One guess where you were going to carry me. The Taco Bell? The gutter. No, Taco Bell. Oh. How did I know that okay. you didn't? I was, I was wrong. Yeah, how could you even not guess that first, you fuck? Do you even know me? Uh, your name is... <laughs> I... What? Slim Shady. Yeah, and there you we work go. at <laughs> we a spaghetti it. factory, and your knees are heavy. <laughs> Arm spaghetti. Arm spaghetti. That's it. We can't say it already. <laughs> okay, okay. Do you open your mouth, but the words won't come out? <laughs> 
I think we've reached that point. Everybody's yeah. crying now. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. But in addition to my bourbon, I'm also I also have a giant bottle of water next to me and some chai. So I'm mixing it up because I'm, I've been really getting into chai lately. Been drinking a lot. So thank you for that. that do you was... like the choice? <laughs> I do like choices. You know? I like having choices. Uh, uh, do you like? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Do you like the chai soylent? Is what I was trying to say. I haven't had it. I wasn't. But aware instead, there was I just said soylent. What? That was I one of my samples. A... Really? Yeah, it's good. I wonder if it's discontinued. No. I'll have, to, I'll have to check it out. I bought some. Fair enough. I do like chai, and I do like soylent, so I'll have to. Well, the thing is, I hated the nectar soylent, and now it's discontinued, and for good reason. Be thankful you never had to taste that, Jathan, because it was terrible. Yeah. It tasted like pollen. That's was, a lot gross. of stuff. A lot of stuff does that. Yeah, but it was super gross. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah, let's just get into this because this is going to take a while. <laughs> let's, let's get into it. Payton, you want to take us into the news? Hey! Yeah, sure, absolutely. This is Payton with the News. We have quite a bit today to talk about. It's not as much as last time, but there's still some really interesting things going on this, uh, this past couple weeks here. First we have uh, is that Google could owe Oracle about $8.8 billion dollars. Due to a contention between Oracle and Google about the use of Java APIs. So Oracle is stating that Google went too far and used too many APIs to develop Android. So anyway, they went back to court. They appealed the decision by a federal judge in 2016 that said that Google was fine. They are back from an appeals court. The appeals court said that uh, it's possible that Google did actually, uh, you know, violate the copyright. The APIs that Oracle provides are freely available for use in building applications for both computers and mobile devices, but they are not free to competitors or to be embedded in an electronic device. Now, that's why there's some contention here is because the wording there is is very interesting. If you can (laughs) use it to build an application, why can you not embed it, you know? Yeah. The three-judge panel ruled that regardless of Android being free, it still does not make the use of the APIs as non-commercial. Android has generated around $42 billion from advertising alone. Google claims that it used only a minuscule percentage, just enough to enable programmers to write the applications. And as I said, a federal judge signed with Google in 2016. This could eventually go to the Supreme Court. Google could come back and say, hey, can you guys reconsider this ruling? You know, they could also, you know, appeal the loss and take it to the Supreme Court. Uh, Like I said, the Supreme Court did decline to review it in 2014, which the Federal Circuit said the APIs were entitled to copyright protection. So uh, this will be an interesting fight to watch. Oracle obviously is, you know, people, some people just absolutely despise them. Now, this has been going on for a long time. 2010? It's it's been. Yeah, I was going to say years. 2010. I, I thought it was like. It's been almost like 10 yeah. years. And then I thought, like, there's no no way. There's no way it can well, be Well, the big issue ago, is but... that it's it's a huge argument in the fair use policy. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's freely available, mm-hmm. you know, why not? But apparently it's not really freely available and whatever. Yeah. It's like, here it is. It's free. There are some stipulations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see this having an impact even on things like code snippets from Stack Overflow oh, listen, and stuff, though. Uh, listen, just wait for Oracle to win this, and then all of a sudden you're going to be like, oh, you want to use my code? That'll be five bucks. You know? Mm-hmm. I, I could see it happening. It may not, but... Well, I meant more so as a, a sort of setting an example where, you know, you pull, like, a function someone yeah. wrote on a Stack Overflow answer. 
and then you include it in even in like open source code it's still a different license than fair use code and you can't you know you can't apply an open source code of your own on someone else's you know it doesn't work like that so i i have my my doubts and and questions so do i you know about this so do i so i i can see it being potentially impactful yeah yeah i mean it's this is this is a big deal oracle wins this it could open the door to a lot of different a lot of different lawsuits just in general yeah so next we have we had meltdown inspector you know hit but now we have Total meltdown. If you run a Win7 box, there was a meltdown patch in January, obviously. This stops meltdown, but it opens another security hole. It allows any process to read complete memory contents at mm. gigabytes per second. And it's possible to write to arbitrary memory. <laughs> so wait, this is only on Windows 7? This is only on Windows 7. Thank okay. God. Yeah, yeah. But uh, there are no exploits needed. Windows 7 is already oh already has the exploits in place. It's just a matter of reading or writing to an already mapped in-process virtual memory. So basically what happened was uh, somebody wrote the pit, the, the fix. Mm-hmm. You have the user supervisor bit. Well, it was set to user in the PML4 self-referencing referencing entry. This then opens up the page table to use... user. Oh, it uses, opens up the page table to user mode code in every process. Now, normally the page table is only accessible by the kernel, of course. PML4 is the base of the four-level in-memory page table that the CPU NMU uses. The PML4 is fixed to a specific address. This is why this is a big deal. If you know the address, which is the same for everyone, then, you know, you can just get right in there. Oh, shit. It only affects Windows 7 64-bit systems with the 2018-01 or 2018-02 patches. If you have the December 2017 patch or the March 2018 patch, you are fixed. You are safe. It was mm. discovered patch Tuesday, March 2018. Oh, and 2008 R2 is vulnerable as well. Why are you using 2008 R2? I don't know, <laughs> but I digress. <laughs> oh. oh my god. Yeah, so right. fix your, patch your shit. Uh, we say that every time someone does something like this. Patch your shit. Yeah. The next news we have is that Facebook has been in the news recently. I don't know. Do you guys use Facebook at all? Yeah. 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 <laughs> we, Pretty much we everyone uses tried Facebook it once. at this point. Tried it. So, or, what do you try to do? No, you know what? I'm not. No, sorry. Keep going. I'm not gonna let. Uh, yeah, stop derailing this guy. You fucking. Shit. No, it's Brent. He's a derailer. No, you belong no, no. in the back of a bicycle, my friend. You're a derailer. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Excuse so, me. they're on the side of the. Bicycle. Yeah, they're not in the back. They're on the side. On the chain. There Depends. Okay. So Depends. this has been bicycle administration. Administrivia. <laughs> Okay, so All right, keep going, Facebook, keep going. if you guys have been living under a rock, Facebook has been scraping call and SMS data from Android users for years. Mm. Well, first they denied it. They said, no, 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 we're not doing that. Then, well, of course they admitted it because they got caught in that lie. And then they said that, well, you guys agreed to this when you signed up for Facebook. Basically, if you used Facebook Messenger as an SMS client or Android, you agreed to the call and SMS tracking. This was discovered by Cambridge Analytica whistleblower a whistleblower that came forward and gave details about how facebook used the data to target ads for donald trump currently their stock is going down who cares about so yeah stop using facebook come on (laughs) yeah in the next bit of news we have the safe place that is skype microsoft has banned offensive language from skype in a new update to the Microsoft Services Agreement, they ban offensive language and fraudulent activity. Now, Brent, remind me, fraudulent activity is illegal, correct? Yeah, I'm, I'm okay, fairly fine. certain just, on that. Just, yeah. just check it. Just check it. Well, if you're caught, 
You could be banned from Xbox services, gold memberships, any credits that you have, etc. Fraudulent or banned activity is content like nudity, mm-hmm. bestiality, mm-hmm. pornography, mm-hmm. offensive language, mm-hmm. graphic violence, or the best one, criminal activity. Now, you know, have you ever Skyped your girlfriend and had a little sexy time on there? No. That would be that banned. Actually, no. Actually. That's weird anyway. Is, Don't do that. It does so, strike me as a little bit weird. But I, I, I recognize people are out there that, that do it. I never have. But also, I knew that Skype was not the most privacy-centric platform ever, so. Well, first of all, it's Microsoft, so. And it is now owned by Microsoft, so know. it's even worse, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I'm curious, like, are they doing some kind of screening to find these things, or is it reliant I was, upon someone reporting? I was getting to that. Yeah, yeah. I was getting to that. Yeah, okay. So, to determine if there should be a ban, Microsoft will investigate. This means that they will listen and or watch your Skype calls. Which is uh, not uh, creepy at all. So, yeah, probably just don't use that anymore. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? Now, this could be in relation to FOSTA, which makes websites criminally responsible for any content they have that's mm. uh, related to... Sex trafficking or prostitution or what have you. Yeah, so stop using Skype for your illicit activity. Use Signal, use Tor. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but real talk, you can use you can use Talks, which uh, T O X. Uh, I'll link it in the show notes. It's an open source alternative to Skype. It's decentralized. But and it let's is... also say this: we are not condoning activity right. of, of any sort of sort. Right, like but that. we are. I would say we're all probably privacy advocates in this. Yes, so. yes. As far as privacy is concerned, use whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Don't use Skype. Yeah. yeah. So if you're a fan of Reddit, the recently passed FOSTA, F-O-S-T-A, mm-hmm. is a bill intended to help states and victims fight online sex traffickers. This sounds like a great idea, right? In theory, yeah. Well, it caused the personal section personal section of Craigslist, sorry, Jathan, you can't find a date anymore, to close, and Reddit preemptively banned dozens of subreddits. Mm-hmm. It removes or changes Section 230 of the Communications Act of 1934. Basically, it was never intended to provide legal protection to websites that unlawfully promote and facilitate prostitution and or that advertise the sale of unlawful sex acts. Again, an unlawful sex act is illegal, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yes, I, it Section, feels... This is, this is basically just yeah. a bill saying it's, it's more, illegal to it's do illegal nature. things. Well, here's the problem. Section 230 does limit the legal liability of interactive computer service providers. Mm. However, the new amendment adds a new section that imposes penalties, a fine or prison up to 10 years or both, on a person who owns, manages, or operates an interactive computer service to promote or facilitate the prostitution of another person and or unlawful sex act. See, that is... They just made it a felony at this point now. Yeah, I think that's bullshit. Well, so here's the thing. Here's the thing. Because there's a difference between running a platform with a general purpose that is abused for these services. Right. And exactly. Versus, you know, a platform like findasexslave.com or some shit. Is that a real domain? Did I accidentally... I, 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 who knows? Did I accidentally I'm not just looking it up because I don't want to, you know... Right, yeah, exactly. You don't want to... That'd be Get that weird. kind of attention. Did you say .com? I said .com, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, we wait for Jathan to do I, an NS I mean, lookup. I mean, realistically... It does not seem to be a real domain. I would okay. really hope not. The gentleman yeah. who reported this actually posted it on the R Microsoft subreddit, mm-hmm. and he was banned for doing so. For mentioning that the bill was passed? Yeah, let me get down there here. Yeah. He's banned from Reddit's R Microsoft for sharing the story. So Why? That's... I, I don't know. They said it was spam. Reddit's fucking... Fuck Reddit, Reddit. Reddit is everything. starting to get really dumb. 
Yeah, it's been on a decline for a long time. Well, you know, it's the special snowflakes who were like, "This offense man, we should get rid of it." Yeah, yeah. Ever since that started, it's it's just been going down. Yeah. But like, okay, so I understand and I agree with the premise. Yes, I like sure slavery of any kind is bad. You know, whether it be sexual or labor or whatever. Yeah, it's always bad. I think we could all agree on this. Hopefully, otherwise, you know, you're not maybe the best person. But (laughs) yeah, just casually throw that in there. (laughs) But this has well it criminalizes the, the yeah sexuality. yeah um, well i mean slavery was already criminalized but now we sure. now we're at the point where site operators even if they run one of those general sites like I, I talked about before like reddit you know where it's just a general discussion forum right and you don't really have the resources to monitor every single fucking well, post on your on your platform right yeah i mean uh, like imager imager has images of all sorts if you know the right link to them, mm-hmm. you could find anything you want. Yeah. You know, there was that whole face uh, front page thing where the front page was showing regular pictures and not ones that were submitted. You know, oh, wow. there was. Yeah. So I think realistically, while I, I applaud, you know, the government for doing for passing this law, I think it's short sighted and I think it's going in the wrong direction. Yeah. You know, yeah, I, I can don't agree with that. don't punish the guys who host the site, punish the guys who found Using the site. And how do, how do like, DMs and, and PMs and stuff play into this? Like, direct messages? See, I don't, I don't know. I mean, you know, it's a long bill. I don't think they even, Yeah, I'll, have, know, to, I'll have to read that. I don't know if that. I'll have it re- read in, in its entirety in time for the show notes, but well, I'll definitely link to it. And I will say this much. If we've got somebody out there who can read it and maybe interpret it a little bit better for us, we'll have to read input. OS Writer. OS Writer, if you hear this, please uh, take a gander and let us know, man. Yeah. So that's just a giant fuck you to people who run websites, you know. Mm. Next, we have Google is working with the police. Obviously, this is no surprise, but the story is actually really interesting. Raleigh police, in two separate cases about a year and a half apart, asked Google to provide not just suspect data, but all data for anyone in a 17-acre area in one instance, and in the other instance, asked for user data across dozens of apartment units in a particular complex. The Raleigh PD submitted the warrants for all information so that they could get this data, they requested the data from all mobile devices using that were using a location-enabled Google app. So it wasn't just Android devices. It was also iPads and iPhones and Windows phones if they had a location-enabled Google application. They only got anonymized account numbers with no content included. So they weren't like reading through your emails or stuff like that. The Raleigh PD spokesperson that was mentioned in the article indicated that Google may have also supplied further, further information as required. So they didn't necessarily give all the information, but they did give them information. Now, since recent years, they give seventy-five to eighty thousand user uh, user information user uh, information about users every six months. And as of January twenty seventeen, they did update their transparency report, and they've produced data about sixty-five percent of the time that it's been asked to do so. Mm-hmm. Now, they don't publicly disclose the information that they give to the data to the government mm-hmm. and other authorities. So. So you don't uh, know what they're actually giving over. Right. Yeah. And in sometimes, some instances, that may be a court order that says you can't identify, you know, mm-hmm. not to identify the individuals. Which is, you know, helpful because some people actually watch the court sites for any sort of public records and mm-hmm. look for their names or whatever. Yeah. And then, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, if you don't want to be tracked, leave yourself a mind. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the last news article we have, this is a real whopper of a doozy here. You remember how SHA-1 has been pretty much banned from the internet at this point? Well, apparently... Well, banned, but should it's been, be probably, it's, yeah. it's been mostly discarded. It's, it's it has broken. lost... It, yes, it is broken. 
We, I, I can, well, yeah. you can still use, like, a pretty large fuck ton of iterations and get away with it. Sure. And a lot of people still do. Sure, but we're going to get to that. So Firefox mm. has a master password ability, which encrypts the password database. For the past nine mm. years, however, they have used an insufficiently strong encryption for the master password feature. Obviously, without the master password set, the browser stored passwords locally in clear text, leaving them vulnerable to malware and other entities. The right. master password encryption uses a low SHA-1 iteration count. The iteration count is set to 1, meaning it's applied <laughs> just once. Now, this was reported nine years ago by a gentleman called Justin Dulski. I apologize for assuming your gender, Justin. It was brought up again recently by Vladimir Palanti. Plant, who is an author of the Adblock Plus extension. After bringing the issue up, Mozilla responded, suggesting that the issue would be fixed with the launch of Lockbox, which is available as an extension. Hmm. Yeah. Wow, so they're going to ditch their built-in functionality for a plugin? I don't even... An extension? I don't think they even talked about ditch, like removing the master password component. I think they're talking about, like, yeah, we know it sucks. We don't really give a shit. Here's an extension right. that tries to do it better. Right. Yeah. Now, LastPass uses values of 100,000. Mm-hmm. The industry pack practice regards 10,000 as a solid minimum. So they're still, using one iteration. I'm still confused as to why it's using SHA at all. I, I, because it's it's a hash. It's not an encryption algorithm, you know? So right. like how, whatever. Plant says that Mozilla engineers would employ, should employ the Argon 2 library for hashing passwords instead of SHA-1. Why won't they just SHA-512 I, I don't know. Or use a SHA-3? Y- you know, I, I have mean, questions. I have so many questions. We should go to Mozilla and be like, look, bitches, we'll write your shit for you, <laughs> okay? You. No, no. Have you have you ever wait. looked at Firefox's source? Wait, wait. Oh, that's terrible. There is still a random salt involved. Yeah, they do. Yeah. They do salt, but still. I mean, it's it's an iteration of one. I mean, you could brute force that in like five minutes with a sufficiently powered cloud pile. I don't. Yeah. I don't, well, maybe, maybe but less. it's not like it's the just... The SHA-1 um, stuff wasn't really brute for it. It was finding collisions. Sure. The point is you could use something that isn't even the original the date, the original data, but, you know, still, I don't... You get what I'm saying. Like, you could, you could spoof it, basically. It doesn't have to be the actual source. Right, right, exactly. And that's paid in the news. <laughs> there we go. So first, let's jump right into mentoring, because we're already at 30 minutes into the raw, and we want to have enough time to just blow our brains yeah. out over this let's, independent let's, let's get mentoring done nonsense. because no i'm not blowing my brains out I, it's a figure speech Jathan. calm down i am so no, got... okay, <laughs> okay wait, but you said you were trying to remember something earlier did you remember what it was it's the i did remember what it was what is it no did you forget again i just wanted to i wanted to recommend that every person who listens to our podcast regularly pick your favorite episode Mm. And then go listen to it at 0.65x <laughs> speed. Okay. Yeah. Great. Because yeah. it's hilarious. What does it have to do with mentoring? It does Nothing. But he, I, I wanted to make sure he had a chance to say what he remembered. Can we just mark him down as off topic and give him like a demerit <laughs> for being off topic? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Mentoring. So there are three main topics I feel were neglected in the previous episode. Yeah. Those are how to find a mentor, how to find an apprentice, and why you should be doing both always so, at the same time. So realistically, and I, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't mean to, yeah, to go jump ahead, into jump, this too jump fast. Right in, jump in. If you go to interview somewhere, mm-hmm. a lot of times you're replacing someone who is a senior person, or you know, you're you might be interviewing for a junior position, but then that senior person is then tasked with another duty. You're not able to fully stay with them and learn all aspects of the job. Mm-hmm. Realistically, I agree with you from the last episode. Realistically, an IT team should be at minimum two people. 
you know, a master and apprentice, so to speak. Yep. Somebody who knows everything or nearly everything about the unit, the company. And then the junior guy who's learning and who's there watching every step. I don't know if you guys read the Tales from Tech Support subreddit at all. But there's, a, a, while. there's a, yeah. a user, a, a submitter there that I read, like to read. His name is Selben, S-E-L-B-E-N. And he has some, some fantastic stories. But when he was pretty new in his career, he was pulled in to work for a guy named that he titled Soda. And, you know, the guy challenged him. And so he would ask, like, they'd go on site and he would ask him questions about why he thinks the, there's a problem here or what, what he thinks the issue is with this particular site. And I really feel like a mentor, a good mentor is going to challenge you to be able to think on your feet and come up with solutions and and then when you're wrong to say no you're an idiot here's why i don't expect necessarily expect a mentor to hold your hand all the time you know so well in my opinion a good mentor shouldn't hold your hand but instead should sufficiently beat you into submission so you know where to find <laughs> solutions jayton in your case it's google <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Speaking I've, from I've experience, the, the Google State sometimes it times. takes a couple of one iterations, <laughs> a couple, a couple smacks. No, it, that works. <laughs> that works. Like I said last time, that works with you and I's dynamic, but it doesn't work for everyone. No, That's but I mean, in any works. case, like if I were going to be mentoring someone tomorrow, mm-hmm. you know what the first thing I would probably give them is what I'd give them the pink book. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Because 90% of the questions they ask me for, I mean, maybe forever, I don't know. 90% of the questions they ask me, I'll be able to say it's in the pink book. And that doesn't mm-hmm. mean that I shouldn't help them to understand a concept or whatever. Well, but honestly, and I had asked Brent this question a little while ago, a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. is like, you know, I'm trying to hire somebody right now to work for me. And, you know, one of the things that I don't really know how to get from somebody in a brief interview is like, how do I know that this person knows how to find an answer to something without having to come ask me every time. Well, yeah. that's, and, that's something you can do in the interview process if there's a technical aspect. But I get what you're saying, of. that it's, it's hard to really gauge someone's responses to that. Oh, I would just Google it. Well, okay, but how would you Google it? You know, like what are yeah. your terms that you will search for? Or what modifiers would you put on it? You know, not just that, but I mean, saying you're going to Google it versus actually finding a solution because... You know, there's some things... Yeah, like, like ask them what Google search term would yeah. you use? Yeah. Well, you know, like I would do Google.com, and then I would go, how <laughs> do I add a user and post facts? Oh, uh, that's, that's <laughs> weak Google food. You got you to gotta do double uh-huh. quote, add user, close quote, post Right, facts. exactly. Well, you also yep. have to specify if you're using MySQL. Right, exactly. Again. Well, it would it would come up in the results. But yeah, yeah. yeah probably. I mean, but, that would... Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So that and, and technically that'd be Dovecot more than Postfix. Postfix True. Really... Yeah, it doesn't really have users. Yeah. My, well, so, I mean, you know, it, the it point does, is, but it it's, it it doesn't handle the authentication right. but, part. But anyway, here's the thing. Moving on. I think yes. another part of it is like there are some people that I have worked with in the past. Mm-hmm. If I were working in the same room with them, it just became a default. If they had a question, they just asked it out loud. So, yeah, and I think that's. Uh, it go two ways about it. I mean, one, if the resource is there, that's fine. And if it's like a quick question, the person definitely knows that's fine. But at the same time, mm. you know, asking somebody is almost always easier than finding the answer yourself or struggling through something. But it also means you don't learn it. For the next you time. don't learn it. You don't have to grok the documentation or anything like that. And more importantly, it makes you dependent on that other person. Yeah. You could work in a room with some, you know, master Linux guru for 18 years 
And every time you have a question, you ask them, all of a sudden it looks like you know everything. But for 18 years, you've been asking this person all these questions. All of a sudden they have a heart attack. They're dead. You literally have no productivity. <laughs> or or they just leave the company or retire. No, they're dead. <laughs> they're so, fucking dead. So this doesn't necess- necessitate the urgency of the hit by a bus right. clause. But well, it could, though. To, but it's to, relevant. To it tie relevant. into Jathan's comment, I mean, realistically, mm-hmm. you should not have you should not be told every time. Did you Google that first? Mm. Like there are aspects of our job that sometimes you can Google it and you just have no fucking clue what the hell you're seeing in the Google results. And so you have to say, Hey, look, man, I Googled this. Can you just give me an idea of what I'm looking for here? I've linked to it before, but the ESR's right, exactly. guide to asking good questions is amazing yeah, yeah. for this. It gives you a great, like, okay, first I should do this. If it's not there, like, you know, I should check the project's documentation. If it's not there, did I check the RFC for the protocol? Did I, you know, it, it gives you a really good summary of like things to run down to. And then like, finally, all right, it's time to pull in the guru on this. Well, I think if you're spending an hour Googling something well, or two hours and it's, a, it's supposed to be a quick fix, then I think maybe, you know. I would say like two minutes Googling. And if it starts to go across like past that, start looking at the actual product's documentation. If it's five ten minutes into that and you're still not finding it look for an rfc for the protocol related or you know the sure. related scheme or or what have you and then you yeah know, like like you want to scale the time appropriately don't spend an entire hour just googling but more to the point what i wanted to talk about was how do we actually identify these people like how do you find a guru how do you know that they're a guru see that's well that's the big thing you just you looked like some fucking Dirty Linux guy on the internet, and I was like, he's got to be a guru. <laughs> I, you're not wrong, but uh, I wasn't. I didn't look that dirty back then. I think I just had long hair. It wasn't dreadlocked or anything. But yeah, I don't think it's so much what they look like. Jay thought it's more so. <laughs> yeah, I identify gurus, and I tend to be more autodidactic, so I don't really have a guru. I just tend to read the documentation myself because I, I enjoy doing that. But. I think you can find a guru, I should say, by looking for people who contribute a lot. Look, look, like, and this is, like, one of the things I'll grant GitHub is it, it's a more social aspect of coding. It's like social media with code. And you can easily... Yeah, that's a good way yeah, to put it. Yeah, and you can easily look at the things people have been writing, and if, you know, they're interesting projects, and there's stuff that, like, nobody has done before, and they fulfill a, a purpose that nobody else has written, and they're not just some fucking rehab... Jathan, what was it that we saw who, like, re-implemented LS in, like, what was it, Node.js? Oh, what was that called? I don't remember, but yeah, yeah, yeah. That was absolutely bananas. I don't want to give him any publicity because it was ridiculous. Don't trust people like that. Those are people who are just toying around. They don't, like, there's no point to that. It's Now I want to find it. <laughs> well, do it later. But, like, look for people who write interesting stuff, who are... Who have given talks on topics, who have... I feel like... Even written books. Okay, but here's yeah. the thing also, is I think you're sort of overlooking some really obvious things, too. What's that? Like, I found you through the Ubuntu Pennsylvania local community team. Wasn't even using Ubuntu at the no, time. No, yeah. well, I know. But go to a local meetup or, like, an IRC mm-hmm. channel that represents some local group. Or go to, you know, your local Linux user group, whatever, because... Absolutely. People who yeah. take the time to go to those types of events tend to be, not always, I mean, they're open to everybody, and I think that's part of the point, but there will definitely be people at those events and leading those events who are very passionate about Linux in this example. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yep. My point in mentioning this guy on, on Reddit was that he didn't mm-hmm. like walk into the job expecting to get a, expecting to get a mentor. Like he just applied yeah. for a job and he yeah. was hired, and then the guy took him under his wing and he was like, you know, hey, come on, I'm going to show you all the steps. And even when they were both fired, he got him a job with him, and then they went around. And mm-hmm. I mean, so sometimes a mentor falls in your lap, literally. Sometimes, usually, that, I think that's another mm-hmm. good indication of finding a good mentor is they will also trying to be find you. You know, like they'll take you under their wing. Yeah, right, exactly. So, and that brings me to my next point: how to find an apprentice. That one I think is a little bit trickier because it's see. You're, yeah. There's no actual like expertise you can look at and determine, you know, like and determine competency from it because the point is they're coming from a point of incompetency, and you, your goal is to get them to a point of competency or greatness, you know, ideally. Yeah. But I think the the number one deciding factor for finding an apprentice, man, I don't know. I I guess it would have to be just passion and personality at that point. Well, they have to want to learn, and you know. So curiosity, I You guess. may just find yourself in the presence of a sort of guru who acts as a mentor to you, and it's okay to latch onto that, mm-hmm. you know, as much as that person allows you to. You might just take a job and right. all of a sudden realize, you know, the person who's running your department or the company or whatever is capable of mentoring you in some capacities, and that's yeah. okay. Yeah, right. Like, you don't exactly. necessarily have to go looking for this opportunity. It may find you or you'll find it. Yeah, yeah. And also, I mean, sometimes, you know, you may... Start a job and realize that you you need a mentor. And mentor's like, okay, yeah, I got you, you know, whatever. But I mean, sometimes you just sometimes you get settled with a bad mentor, you know, mm-hmm. someone who's who doesn't care about you and takes the credit for everything you do and, and whatnot. And that's not a good thing. Yeah, yeah, that's that's not <laughs> that's not ideal. So I think for the guru looking for an apprentice, it's going to be more about that finding somebody you can just fucking put up with <laughs> as yeah. as terrible as that sounds like just you know someone who wants to learn the stuff and, and not just quote-unquote needs to learn it there's a big difference you that. think i want to learn yes you should <laughs> yes. want to learn you would not do half the projects you do if it, if it were not the case and then thirdly why you should be doing both why you should be mentoring and apprenticing i am guilty of not doing this i'll preface that because i, I tend to be more of a self-learner and I do learn by teaching, you know, so it, it helps me out to teach. But I guess that's a form of apprenticeship, too. But I, it's apprenticeship to yourself, well, maybe. But my point is, you should always continually be learning. And I guarantee there will always be someone who knows more than you about something, about yeah. everything. I, I mean, one of the best things of proving that you know something is going and trying to teach it to somebody. If you could teach it very mm-hmm. well, or if you could teach it at all, and you can explain it simply, then you know that subject matter and you're, you know, you're good there. One of the best things you can do is after learning something is teaching it. You know, I'm a firm believer in, you know, not keeping knowledge to yourself, so to speak, you know. Mm -hmm. So if you have the opportunity to say, hey, I want to take you under my wing and teach about this. If you could find somebody who will do that, great, do it. You know, let's get it done. Well, and it's also the simple fact that to truly teach somebody something and teach them well, you have to know it inside and out. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think one of the best parts of my job is when I get to sit or stand or, you know, whatever, in front of a room full of researchers and take something that I use for IT purposes, like Git, and teach them mm-hmm. how to use it for, you know, some of them are managing actual code, you know, bioinformatics pipelines and stuff like that. But there are now people who are using it to manage, like, their lab notebook, a revision-controlled lab notebook in text files. Yeah. 
And, Mm -hmm. you know, I didn't have to know about what they were actually doing to teach them that. I just had to find a practical, useful example of using Git that taught them enough information, and they've adapted it to their own use. And I think that's fucking awesome. That's that's great. I mean, seriously, that's Mm -hmm. phenomenal, you know. Yeah. And on a more overarching note, and I think this will be the last I have to say on this particular topic, unless um, someone else says something that (laughs) makes me think of something else. But my final point is basically on like a meta level, sort of, this helps keep tech alive. Yeah. You know, like we've got systems out there that are nobody knows anything about them. Like finding a guy who knows how to run a VMS, you know, VAC system or something or Minix even, you know, like find me a guy who still knows how to run one of those. And I will be extremely impressed because they're dying out. Granted, the tech itself is super old, but there are still infrastructure out there that run on it. So when that person is gone, either they retire or they're, you know, hit by a bus or they have a heart attack or whatever, you know, like there's nobody to take care of that system. And that means like uh, that can bring down an entire industry overnight. I mean, granted, if they're that much of a leader in the industry, I would hope that they have some sort of contingency in place. But, you know, there is a sort of responsibility to further the education in a more general sense, I would say, on a societal level. So that's I think that's my closing remark. And do you guys have any closing thoughts? I think I'm in a pretty good place with regards to this. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm pretty young yet to really have had a, a mentee, which apparently is a fucking word, by the way. It is indeed. It is indeed, Jathan. But I mean, I really do, my favorite part of my job most of the time, I'd say, and why I love working in academia is everybody around me is constantly trying to learn. And when they come to me and they want to learn more about, you know, using the compute cluster more efficiently, or somebody wants to convert their their workflow into a true pipeline, or they want to learn about MPI so they can utilize more of the compute cluster at one time, Mm -hmm. those teaching opportunities, I would say are the best parts of my job. So, you know, I definitely am looking forward to having somebody to mentor at some point in the future. Mm. And I also think I owe it to somebody at this point. So, yeah, yeah, it's a good way of paying back all of the mentorship that you have taken. Well, you've also fucked me emotionally, but... (laughs) I've done no such thing. I cry myself to sleep most nights because of you. (laughs) You absolutely That's do not. That's what she do said. <laughs> she should just break up with you. Oh my gosh! <laughs> they got dark yeah, real quick. Moving on. Let's yeah, let's move on. So Raindev actually in our IRC channel. Thanks, Raindev. By the way. Yes, thank you. He said he, he or said she. He would she they whatever. Let's not be assuming genders now. Come on. Gender non-binary they whatever. They mentioned to us that we didn't really spend a whole lot of time talking about what actually makes a good enterprise distro and how you choose that and how you find it. Sure. And valid point. Valid point. We, we I guess. spent most of the time talking about clear OS <laughs> or clear Linux, not clear OS. Yeah. We talked about clear OS, but we originally were talking about clear Linux. There was a whole fucking just see the show notes for S3E2 or whatever if you need more story about that. But. It is a good question, and it is something to think about. And I briefly mentioned, like, two characteristics I think are important to it, but it's not a very comprehensive answer. So I would say stability and point release are the two biggest factors. Scalability, a very close third. Yeah. Wait, wait. I think there might be one more, though. What? Support. Availability of support. Yes. And, like, professional support. Not, like, Ubuntu forums. From the project... 
Yeah, yeah, from the project itself. That's a great point. That is a really great point, and that's good you mentioned that. That's also super important. For some people. Support contracts. Not everybody. Well. For the enterprise, I would absolutely say yes, because you need that for SLA. I have Red Hat licensing. I have access to their portal and whatever. Mm -hmm. Very seldom do I use it. But the point is you use it, and it is available to you. It's like insurance. I guess so. You hope that you never have to use it, but it is a very good thing to have in case you do need it. And yeah, granted, sometimes I, I know of the horror stories behind, you know, RHEL or Red Hat support and all that. They're maybe not the best, but they're, there's a reason you're coming to them. And there's a difference. They have direct, ac- direct access to the operating system's engineers. You don't. Right. So that, that is something to think about. So that alone is a, a good selling point, I think, of the contracted support option. But the stability, I, I mean... I hope we don't even need to go into why that's a thing. You know, like that's necessary. That mm. you don't want you don't want to run your enterprise on don't me. You don't want to run your enterprise on boxes that are going down all the time. Because fucking yeah. there's a there's a seg because GLFC seg faulting or some shit. Wow. You know? Yeah, but I mean there are enterprise deployments of Gen 2. Now Yeah, I, but that's that's I different. have to imagine that has been tailored. Yeah, I was gonna say I have to imagine they're not using the unstable branch. Absolutely not. And I can guarantee they are pre-packaging and using pre-built binaries that are well-tested for Sure. I mean, they're still building locally for their hardware, but... Not necessarily. I mean, you can build it generically enough, or you're buying all guaranteed the same hardware. You know, like, you don't... Yeah. And even even then, if you optimize code to run on a certain hardware... My point is, (laughs) you can also, like, cross-compile. My point is, they are testing it. They are building it themselves, and they likely have an entire department to handle it. Right. But, like, stability is definitely a key thing. The, what was the other thing? Oh, point release. Specifically, RainDev asked why point release is important and why rolling release maybe would not be the best for an enterprise model. That is because, really, I would say for just one simple reason. Well, maybe two. The first is it makes it a hell of a lot easier to version pin. So you know automatically, like, you know, what bugs, what vulnerabilities there are for your fleet, for your entire fleet. And such, all at a glance. You don't need to index any yeah. sort of, okay, this box here is vulnerable to this bug, but this one is not. You know, you don't need to keep track of that if they're all in the same software right. versions. And point release systems make it much easier to pin versions. So you basically just never upgrade until the next release upgrade, which typically would be a distro right. release. So that does have a big benefit. And more so, the original thought I had to it is, Stuff tends to break when it's rolling release. And I don't mean... That's not a fault of the distro. That's more so, like, you can't run updates all the time in an enterprise environment. Plus, there's just and when you so do that, many more moving pieces. Well, to an extent, I yeah. mean, the thing is, with, yeah. with Arch especially, like, the recommendation when you're reading through the documentation is always update your whole system at one time. But, yes. but you know, like, if you have a critical kernel vulnerability... You might update the kernel, mm-hmm. but literally nothing else because you don't mm-hmm. want to break other applications or you don't have, you know, appropriate time to test in this case or whatever. And with Arch, mm-hmm. you can do that, but it doesn't make it a great idea. I will say Arch by itself is actually pretty stable, but a, a good way but to break it's not it like, is to try and do partial Well, upgrades. and it has yeah. broken. I mean, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, not exactly. Right. Not like Gen 2 there broken, are... <laughs> but pretty broken, <laughs> right. yeah. There have been cases where man- manual intervention for a certain upgrade of a specific software is required and with things like rolling release such as arch and gentoo the longer you wait to update the more likely it is that you'll run into an 
unupgradable system, meaning there's, you know, for instance, package A depends on library B, and you finally decide, okay, let's update package A. Well, that means we need to also upgrade library B. Okay, all's well and good. This would also happen on, you know, pinned releases and roll and point releases and things like that. But there's also a problem. Library B also requires library A to be of a certain version for the next version up. So you run into a circular dependency here and you'll run into at least five of those if you don't update Arch over like six months or something. Right. And they're immensely difficult to handle and very dangerous to fix. Yeah. yeah. So, and I mean, for me personally, the benefit to mm -hmm. using Arch on my workstation, my laptop, whatever, my personal machines, and even like my VPSs run Arch. And I'm mm -hmm. fine with that. But mm -hmm. I also, at this point, have been doing it for a while and I accept those risks, if you will. Right. But, you know... I will say that using a distro like Gentoo or Arch, and I've said it before on the show, using Gentoo is the reason I learned so much about Linux in such a short time. Mm -hmm. And, you mm -hmm. know, there's part of me that misses using Gentoo just because it broke more than Arch, and I had to learn shit to fix it. Yeah. So, you know, obviously in an enterprise environment, in a, you know, a production environment, it's really important that stability, especially when money is on the line or people's lives are on the line or whatever mm -hmm. the case may be, Stability is obviously of the utmost importance, but I don't think we should discount running something like Arch or Gentoo on a, even in a VM and maintaining it on a trial basis or something like that. No, in your VM lab or even as your client machine, that's fine. You know, as long as you have an alternative in case the something breaks and you, you need to shell into a production system or something. But for production itself, and I don't know, I unless you have a really good reason for doing it, such as you're running something that is very sensitive to optimizations. Unless you're doing that, there's a 99.9% .9 chance you are not. You know, there's no real reason to go through that sort of self-abuse. Well. You know, it's just... The production environment is not a place well, to and Right. <laughs> it's a place to do. Right. Yeah. Okay. So when I worked at Cordial, I actually ran the testing version. Or I had the texting repo enabled for Arch, and mm -hmm. I didn't have any problems. I mean... That's a probably got I, lucky I more than a few admit, times, but you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'll admit I'm not. I don't run testing for I Arch don't either anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it did break, but uh, even like then, Shutter. It broke Shutter for a while, mm -hmm. and then I fixed it. I was just like, whatever. I don't care. <laughs> but even then, like stuff ten Arch is pretty fast moving. Usually, yeah. stuff is only a testing for like a week tops, right. and then it's moved to stable once it's been tested. But you know, whatever. Where was a rolling release? Right. No, I mean, yeah, you've hit the points. Yeah. Well, there's one smaller point I do need the, to also the make. The Deloitte points? The the Deloitte is what needs to be considered specific to your org. And I briefly touched upon that with the whole Gentoo thing and high sensitivity to optimization. But, I mean, there's also other things like Debian. for Debian versus CentOS, which is like Debian, CentOS, and SUSE are like the three main distros you're ever going to see in enterprise and when i say centos you know i also mean like red hat and when i say Sousa, i mean both Ooh, enterprise but, and but community that is a good point oh what's that I, I mean i do think that you have to factor in money mm -hmm. if you can't afford red hat but you're comfortable using you know well a you're young probably not distro. an enterprise you're probably not an enterprise if you're using centos instead of red hat yeah but, but i mean even but you could know. also be a country like based on open source principles or something but I don't not know. just I'm that gonna... but i mean what if you're a small business and you're trying to run a file server for your office or something of you know 10 people 
I understand you'd still want... No, 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 no. The whole point of this discussion is enterprise distros. Yeah, but I think that an enterprise distro is what someone looks for when they're looking for something stable that has to stay running. It doesn't mean you have to have 500 machines to use it. Yeah, you mean like SMBs are... Well, no, I mean, enterprise literally means it's it's running on an enterprise. But we're talking about an enterprise distro, an enterprise level distro. Yes. That is not so, the same as running in enterprise. So Yeah, I would, that's, I would that's d- what defines it as an enterprise district. <laughs> that means it's enterprise level. It enterprise level does not mean you have to be an enterprise, enterprise to use or need it. Okay, so you're saying so that I'm saying perhaps a small medium business does not need to use an enterprise distro. Right. So if so, CentOS would suffice, they can use that instead of instead getting of Red getting Hat. Red Hat. Correct. Licenses. Just for a licensing okay. perspective, I think that's valid. Got it. Yeah, no, that is that is valid. Or I was confused I because that, that we've you know that's not really what brought us to this particular topic. Oh, it's what brought me. But <laughs> I was going to bat for Santos. Okay, fair enough. But no, yeah, that's a valid point. But more to the point, I would say like between like Debian versus Centos slash Rel versus <laughs> Sles slash Sles. Sless. Yeah, that's what it's Schles. called. Uh, Let's just schlep up to Susa. the Sless store. No, no, no. It's called Sless. I know Susa it is. Linux it's just a weird server. name, right? It's stupid. I hate it, but it's it's what it's called and it's what it is. Versus whatever they're... Is there a fucking community version still called OpenSUSE? Yeah. Okay. Versus that. You know, like we're talking about base systems, not necessarily the distinction between the licensing of those base systems. But my point is choosing which one would be valid... I would say to find you need to find staff to run these things, so it's going to be dependent on your country. For instance, SUSE slash 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 whatever whatever the fuck you want to call it is much more popular in Germany than it is in the U.S. Well, so if you're a company that runs in Germany or is headquartered in Germany or what have you, I would probably go with SLES. Now, OpenSUSE does have two different versions. They have Leap, yeah, which yeah, is the which is the you know, point release system, and then they have Tumbleweed, which is a which is the rolling, rolling release. release. Yeah, which uh, they oh, are I didn't one even of the, know that. Yeah, yeah. Is, yeah, it, that's is actually, it still meant for enterprise use? I don't think I don't think there's a tumbleweed sless. I'm sure someone will correct me if oh, I'm wrong. Oh, there's an open source tumbleweed there is, though. There there's is. an open source tumbleweed, and I think there is a sled tumbleweed. I am absolutely for the desktop. What is sled? Sus Linux Enterprise Desktop. I got it. Okay, but that's not yeah. yeah we don't really server. have Red Hat Server versus Desktop anymore. I don't think in seven. I don't think so. No, I, I don't think they split it. Oh, that is awesome though because. I mean, I probably wouldn't use it, but I'd be interested yeah. in testing it in a VM or something because I just didn't mm-hmm. know it existed. I'm really interested in general in rolling release distros. And, you know, I think Arch is a great distro, but if something came along that genuinely challenged it, I would give it a shot. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember a mm-hmm. bit of a tangent, but back in the day I was using and packaging for Foresight Linux. Foresight, yeah, yeah, rip. Because it was just so much less hassle than fucking Gentoo. <laughs> because it was binary <laughs> distribution. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That right. It, it was binary rolling release. Yeah. It did not last uh, too long, though. A couple of years. A couple of years. Yeah. So, yeah, to close that out, I think it's important to consider the culture that you're implementing your enterprise in. Yeah. You know, the U.S., it's, I would say, mostly, at least on the East Coast, it's mostly Red Hat-based. I don't know how it is on the West Coast. Probably Debian-based, if I had to venture a guess. Or, yeah, Debian-based, so Ubuntu included, Ubuntu Enterprise. So I, you know, maybe get an idea and, and get a heartbeat of like what the surrounding region is using. And then because that's what you want to go. That's how you attract the quote unquote talent for your operations team. You know, you don't want to bring in some guy from the opposite coast or from another country just to fucking admin your boxes, you know. So so since I use yes. I use SLES every day, mm-hmm. 
I mean, that is, that is true. By the way, I, you are in the minority on the East Coast with that, and I'm I'm confused, interested. In you're also definitely well, in the minority amongst the three of us. Right, right. I mean, we are exploring other options. I think mm-hmm. I can't really say too much, but right, understandable. I mean, Sless is still. I still use RPM commands for everything for you know installation. I mean, it's still. What's the what's the uh, zipper? Is, is yeah, the, zipper the is the equivalent. Yeah. yeah, zipper is the yum equivalent. I mean, just zipper in mm-hmm. a package or whatever. I, I mean, you're not really like it's not like some weird obscure OS. It still uses right. a lot of the same commands that you you know you're used to seeing on a CentOS or yeah, it know, is still Linux, Fedora yeah. or whatever. Yeah, we don't use System D. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I'm still using like. You know, init scripts and things like that. Uh, you know, so you know, as far as as far as some of your comments are, you know, what makes it a, a good distro? You said uh, stability, security patches, fixes, and then JTON said support, and I agree with you 100. percent I mean, having the ability to call someone that works on the distro and say, "Hey, you know, what's up with this?" Mm-hmm. Which we don't do, but we have the, the ability option to is do there, so. Yeah, you know. Having that ability is fantastic. You know, I mean, generally speaking, it's only about some random crazy bug that we can't, you know, solve ourselves, you know. So realistically, I think that one of the biggest things you can have is support and also not just security patches, but patches that fix problems, you know, because stuff pops up, Spectre and Malware, uh, Meltdown, you know, Mm -hmm. things occur that cause your your server to not be stable in its current state and for the distro you use to have support in that is fantastic you know i really feel like if you're considering debian or rel or sless or you know fucking windows even you know Mm. you really just want to make sure that you know when you install it you've got options to fix it if it breaks you know Mm -hmm. one way or the other you know and then as far as considering your org yeah, I mean, you don't want to go pick out freaking rel server and get a license if you're, you know, a five site or five user site, you know. Yeah. Like yeah. Open Sla- OpenSUSE is probably okay for you or CentOS is probably okay for you. Mm-hmm. You know. So, realistically, I think, you know, analyzing your cost base because you are going to spend some money on support or, you know, licensing or what have you, analyzing your cost ownership and areas is the most important thing to do you know but i really feel like having used both arch and using sless on a day-to-day basis is there's a big difference i mean mm-hmm. there was always a chance that if i updated the wrong time and i didn't pay attention to the patch notes that i could completely bork my system you know mm-hmm. yeah and mm-hmm. arch in particular does a good job with their security announce list telling you and there's manual intervention correct yeah mm-hmm. Which Gen 2 did not, necessarily. Yeah. It was more so like all of a sudden you saw all these forum posts or the the IRC channel was going nuts because you had well, to manually force remove E2FS progs and then reinstall no, it. There was Emerge had the news announcement thing. Emerge. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I forgot and, and about that. that. Was, I never yeah. read that shit. <laughs> well, that's... <laughs> no probably, wonder I learned but that so was, much. It was weird that it was in line with the package manager and not... Centrally announced. Yeah, it sent you like system mail about weird shit. No, not system mail. I mean, there was, oh, you have, you know, this release includes some news items. I forget the the command to read them, but, you know, I think it was just e-select news or something. Yeah. 
and you know you could you, you would have to then run a separate command and run it in line in the shell and read it in line in the shell rather there wasn't an, an art like an rss list or something you'd subscribe to or anything like that it was it, it was silly it was silly we need to move on i think yeah yeah what do you guys yeah. say okay all right we've been putting this off and jathan in irc in our host channel has been trying to get us to move it off huh. again to put um, it off i'm again. just saying this is gonna get long as fuck it's fine it's fine it's, it's totally not a problem. fine that's what we... she said <laughs> all right anyways also i'm really drunk yeah <laughs> i hadn't really? noticed yeah really so this is the rant that we've been promising you for probably two or three episodes now this is the independent package manager rant yeah fuck them now if you're not <laughs> if you're not familiar with what we but mean not by all the time if you're not familiar with what we mean by independent package manager let me tell you your system has a, <laughs> its own integrated package manager such as yum or, unless or, you're using uh, lfs or aptitude or apt-get. Don't make assumptions. Or Pac-Man. You need to calm down, sir. You're or Pac-Man, whatever. Host. Nobody is using LFS except for education purposes. Calm down. Now, this... I would say every distro's package manager has a way of installing, for instance, Python modules, right? Yeah. Right. Jathan, can you think of a, a distro package manager that doesn't include some mechanism of installing and updating like python modules for instance i can't think of one that doesn't have it but there are some that mm -hmm. have more than others sure you know sure. like I, I'll, I'll grant that yeah i can definitely say arch has more python modules than centos does even in apple absolutely yeah yeah even in ios and yeah yeah, 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 yeah absolutely yeah. yeah it definitely does outnumber it and it also depends on you know if you're using python 2 or 3 and what your distro mm -hmm. preferences and shit like that and if you, you know, use the AUR or not, that's going to change a lot. Yeah, that's going to change a lot. Yeah. Point, point being, some distros are better with development modules, development language modules, than others. Gentoo also has a, a large number of, of these modules that you can install. The problem is the developer mindset, as I've taken to calling it, is to use the package manager specific to the language to install a module if it isn't used or isn't installed. I have a big problem with this. I, I think all all of us do. Okay. My my main Go reasons. Ahead. No, no, no. My main reasons are this. One, most of the time for the most common packages, it's already in the fucking distro package package manager. It's already in the distros. Install it that way. Let it be updated with the rest of the system, because nobody's gonna fucking pip update, you know. So yeah. let it let it be included in the system updates. Number two. So many people fucking do shit like sudo pip install package. No, wrong. That'll get mixed in. Yeah, with that the gets into your packages. fucking system site packages, which is a goddamn awful idea. And it's fucking impossible to find out which the system installed versus which you installed with pip, whatever. If you have to use a language specific package manager, use the fucking localized home dir option. Which in, not in all pip, of them even necessarily have. Which is ridiculous. But yeah, like whatever. Okay, yeah, NPM is really fucking bad about relocating shit. Yep. Not that you can't do it, but it's not as easy as PIP, for example. Was <laughs> it NPM that fucking oh, closed yeah. the permissions? Yeah, the yeah, baddie? on an entire fucking... Well, they did it at Etsy, like, broke Etsy. Uh, I thought it was Slash. I thought it was a rude level. No, I'm pretty sure it was in Etsy, but, like, okay. you know, what but, do you do but without why is, tab? Why is a fucking package manager for a language doing that at all? If uh, the system package manager, sure, of course it's going to touch Etsy. But a fucking package manager not bundled by the distribution, why is that touching Etsy? Okay, at wait all? a second. Uh, 
goddamn. I mean, <laughs> this is hard for me. This is going to turn into a fucking nine-hour-long conversation because... No, it's not. Yes, it if is. We, if we need to cut Fuck it short, you. I will cut you okay, short. Okay, because here's the thing is, I don't even think at this point with Python, mm-hmm. that home directory, like using the user flag. So for those who don't know, don't use Python, don't use pip, whatever. First of all, you should. But second of all, <laughs> don't fucking laugh at me. Second of all, sorry. Whatever. Now I'm making up go, shit that doesn't go, make sense. Go, just go. I'm going. So you can do pip install dash dash user, and that mm-hmm. installs things basically in your home directory. So it's like home slash dot local, right? Yeah. Right. And I think that's a viable option. But in this day and age where we have virtual environments, I don't even think you should be using the fucking dash dash user flag. I think that if you're testing software mm-hmm. or you're installing custom software for a given project or anything like that. You should be using a virtual environment so that you know you're not modifying your system Python experience in any way. And that sounds really fucking pretentious and shitty, but here's the thing. No, 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 no. Fuck you. Here's the thing. Sorry, keep going. I, a huge part of my job, and we've talked about it, I've talked about it a million times on this fucking show. A huge Mm -hmm. part of my job is managing software for researchers. And so my researchers, they don't give a fuck how things are installed. They just want it to work. Yeah. So if they can pip install dash dash user something, that's fine, and it works for them, and they're happy. But here's the thing, is when it comes time to publish their research, they've pip installed something in their home directory, they don't remember, they can't find it, whatever the case may be, or they may have upgraded it halfway through their work, and now they're getting different results or something. At least with a fucking virtual environment, you know, every time you have updates, you could create a new virtual environment, and it's not going to take up so much fucking space that you can't manage it. Like, yeah. you have and ways you, for and handling this. And the, don't... Was it pip freeze or whatever? Yeah, pip freeze will just output a list of current packages yeah, and, yeah. and their versions. But, but even more fucking irritating to me is people mm. who fucking install, like, Python frameworks and web apps... Fucking... And they install things at the system level to run them. For fuck's sake... For every fucking web application you have that's using Python, it should have its own fucking virtual environment. That's just no. fucking... Yes, it should. No, Fuck no, no. you. No, hear me out. Hear me no, out. no, no. You're wrong. No, hear... You're already no, wrong. Stop. You're Listen. already wrong. Listen. I'm listening. I can hear you, but you're wrong. Okay. You should install it system level if it's available in the package manager. Full stop. No. Full stop. Nope. Yes. Full no. stop. No. Full stop. No. Because that is in... that versioning is managed by a central authority. It's down to one command that you can use to update your but entire it, system. Yeah, it is, but it's you included that's the in the point. security no, 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 updates no, no. of your you. OS. Otherwise, you're wow. going to be literally watching for every package that you install. You have to subscribe to all of their mailing lists. Well, that's yeah. why PIP upgrade update. exists. See, this is why I knew this would be no. a fucking nine-hour conversation. No. Because you're no, no, fucking no. wrong, dude. No. I guarantee PIP upgrade, oh PIP upgrade doesn't have an option for only update security updates. I understand Only install that. security updates. Your but, operating system yeah. does. And the Some packager for those Python... Do. Whatever. Pac-Man Your doesn't. Python packaging <laughs> manager has Pac-Man no doesn't. concept of that. What? Pac-Man doesn't. Right. Well, Pac-Man doesn't. But I don't know why you'd be Arch by why you'd be using Arch for an for a, a production and anyways. We do. Okay. But we're crazy. Okay. So no, no. Fuck you though, because you're wrong. First of all, how am I wrong? What because did I say that was wrong? Every web application uh-huh. should be hosted from its own fucking directory and not from fucking opt. By the way, it should be. Well, a, I agree with that. It should be a home directory. Or or, or or serve HTTP or even user share nginx fuck itself no in some not user fucking share wonky NGINX. world I don't but I don't think it should be no I don't think so either but some people do that but anyway but that, this is why it's still better than opt yeah. but here's the thing also better yeah we have FHS for a reason just saying yes but here's the fucking thing every mm. fucking Python instance whether you're using G Unicorn or UWSGI or whatever should have its own fucking virtual environment because. Should? 
at any point in time, it's completely isolated from your system. So it should be isolated no, no, no. anyways. No, because it should be fucking... installed as a non-root user. No. If you have to install no. stuff that isn't in this in the distros package, no, manager, you should not be mixing should... the two. Why not? Because okay, let's say I have a server X, uh-huh. and I'm running three fucking Python web apps from it. Yes, you know, opt site one, opt site two. No, fuck. Oh my god, I can't believe I said that even. <laughs> oh my god, this is drunk Jathan. Oh my this god, has no, been don't, I'm waiting. Don't don't put your web stuff in opt. Fuck Jathan. <laughs> I'm waiting. Go you on. You have three sites, though. They're all running Python shit. Mm-hmm. They all use, let's just say, Flask. Okay. There's an update to Flask. Flask. Okay. And you're mm-hmm. using the system Flask, so you have to update all three. If you have mm-hmm. a fucking virtual environment, let's say two of them, the updates are non-breaking, but one of them, the updates are breaking. You don't have to update all three at one time. It's the fucking proper way to do it. No, I get No. You're wrong, Disagree. though. I this guarantee... Is, this is what version pinning is for. But you... No, because... Instead, because, you're now... Because no, no, no. you should be At this updating... Point, all right, no, Jathan, why no, don't you just fucking no. run a separate VM for each web app then? Because maybe you don't have the resources for that or whatever. That's oh, not... What makes you think you have the resources to run fucking separate virtual VMs? That doesn't use more resources, You have a Docker cluster. It, do, it uses more disk resources, Jathan. Barely. Yeah, Barely? Because, yeah, because... You're it's... duplicating literally every single module code. No, you're not. You are. Okay, whatever. Anyway. Every shared module that no, could not, be shared by other that. instances. If you can't afford Because they're extra... static data sources. They should not be changed by the user. If you're, so why are you duplicating them? If you can't handle an extra 100 meg, Further, you need to pay for an upgrade. Plug in a fucking <laughs> USB device. I could make the same <laughs> argument for why, you, why you're why you coding so shittily that an update breaks your shit. No, dude. That happens. <laughs> there is shit Did that... you not just listen to what I said? I heard the you. The argument you made for people complaining <laughs> about not having an extra couple megs is the same argument I can make for writing shitty code. I absolutely fucking Same exact you. one. But sometimes you write code per best standards in version 0.12 and then 0.13 comes along and breaks shit. It doesn't mean that, that don't you upgrade didn't... to 0.13 but for maybe, anything. It's maybe, not that hard. But That's maybe, what version pinning sh- is for. No, but maybe two of your apps can leverage that and the third one fucking can't. Why aren't they running on a separate host then? Because they don't need if to. They're, if their code is that separately different, why aren't they running because on different hosts? Because they don't need to. That's a stupid answer. No, it isn't. That's, that's really I not guarantee. Okay, I'm asking. Consolidate wherever possible. No, no, no. Fuck you. I'm asking everybody who's listening, do you think that a Python web application should have its own virtual environment? Well, if they're devs, they're going to say, yeah, because they're fucking idiots. Devs are stupid. No, Sorry, dude. devs. It's true. I mean, yes, devs are stupid most of the time. But as an administrator, I would rather know that every fucking project has its own dedicated virtual environment so that if there's a problem or I have to update something or I have to downgrade something, I'm not impacting shit outside the scope of that project, period. Why would it be impacted if you can't upgrade it for three projects? What have maybe the, it's a security release? If project A, you have projects A through C. If project A cannot have its package upgraded for break, breaking reasons, why is not upgrading the system module harmful to projects B and C? Maybe it's a security release. Then why are you fucking using it for Project A? Why aren't you fixing Project A if it's a security release? You have to fix Project A, but it doesn't mean you can fix Project A as fast as you could update B and C. Then don't fucking use Project B and C on the same host. No, I think that's a goddamn <laughs> terrible fucking argument, dude. No, it's not. No, it's yes, not. It I don't think it is. Yes, it is. Oh my god. Here's the thing. I think, in general, 
Mm-hmm. Okay, I also want to talk about R before this is through, just so we're clear. Oh, fucking R, R yeah. Yeah, fucking R. R. You heard me ranting about R today. But your no, mom I guarantee, I'm Come looking on, this dude. up, I guarantee there's somewhere that specifies, should Python web applications have their own virtual environment? Oh, you'll find plenty of opinions. Okay, but, but so. why is it then that every fucking book or professional piece that you read that's teaching you about Flask or Django or fucking Pyramid or any of those frameworks... All fucking tell you to have a virtual environment. Because it's written by developers, not admins. No, that's fucking bullshit. That is absolutely true. Okay, so go ahead and read some deployment documentation from Linode or DigitalOcean about Python shit. Uh Uh-huh. They fucking tell you to set up a virtual environment. Do they? Dude, some of them don't even use UWSGI from the package manager. They use a pip install of it. Which I wasn't aware that hosting documentation was equivalent to upstream documentation or even best practices documentation okay then let's just go to if the you can show f- me nah, look, look, look no no if you i can am show me i'm gonna RFC, show you right now rfc or iso spec that no, says no, no, no. yes no yes nope. because these are recognized as canonical sources here's what i'm gonna send you here's what i'm gonna send you i'm sending it right now in irc i'll put it in the show notes send here's it. the right flask now. documentation on their official website yep okay tell me what one of the first fucking things is under installation. Oh, you mean the thing written by developers? Yeah, hold on. Installation. Let's see. So I just want to say that that I really feel like, you know, these random package managers that are outside of the OS kind of drive me nuts a little bit. Like they have all their all these new commands and all these new setups and, you know, you can install to certain things. And like, I guess giving your developers the ability to install stuff via it is fine, but at the same time, I still question the logic behind that, you know? Dude, I think some developers going to pip install freaking... Satan. Ex- what? Like, what, what do you mean by package? Distro package manager? No, no independent. I said independent. Okay. Independent. All right. Independent. I think they're fucking right. Satan. They're terrible because they enable people to fuck things up without knowing right. they're fucking things up. And right, exactly. And specifically... In my environment, right, my day job, I oh, work supporting... Oh, Python. Is that okay? What the I fuck work, did you just do? You know? I work supporting scientific research, which is meant to be reproducible and potentially has implications at publication time for... Okay. No, no, no. Fuck you. I'm talking. But you realize nope. you're in the minority on that, though, right? <laughs> it doesn't matter. I'm arguing on your side right now, you dumbass. I know. I'm just saying you recognize that you're in the minority in that use case and that most people don't need to distribute distribute specific versions mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah okay i get that okay now you fucking derailed my whole fucking train of thought <laughs> but my point is yeah independent so package though. managers that are usable by you know in user space by non-root users are mm-hmm. dangerous for that type of situation where users don't actually know what they're doing they just want their shit to work so they run whatever fucking command they read on stack overflow or, God forbid, the fucking Ubuntu forums. Don't read that shit. Oh, my shit. God. Oh, my yeah. God. Stop doing that. What advice do they usually give, Jathan, on Stack Overflow? Copy and paste oh verbatim. God. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I do. I get on there sometimes to look up, you know, certain code stuff, and I see 20 different responses of the best way to do it, and then one guy's like, well, just do this. And it's like, no, dude, come mm-hmm. on, you know? Like, you're not helping by saying this bullshit fucking generic response. Give me mm-hmm. a fucking something other than, you know, bullshit. Give me something that I can actually work with. You I know? personally... Anyways, Jason, my point is, going back to the virtual end thing, it's stupid. I'm going to tell you why. It's stupid because you have a mechanism for having those packages available for every software running on the system. And you have it in a unified location and you have it in a controlled manner. 
you immediately know all of the versions of that software on your system. With Gentoo, you even have some things like slotting, where you can have multiple versions of the same module available system-wide. Which There's is a no need. better option. It is a better option, and I will absolutely grant that. There Which, are by workarounds. The way, if anybody yeah. from Archland is listening, please make that a thing. <laughs> yeah, I think there's sort of a way to do it on, on Arch. Yeah, it's wonky. It's hacky. It's, it's real very janky. hacky. Yeah, it's I, real hacky. I, to, yes. to get back to, you know, to get back to kind of the point a little bit, I really feel like, as has been said, that it's an easy, and I put that in quotes, an easy way to give your developers access to things that they can't normally install because I'm not giving a developer admin rights in their, on their system. I don't care what they say. Right. At the same time, again, like Jaton said, I mean, it's literally, you might as well give it to them if you're going to give this to them because it's, you know, it's hell. It's it's going to screw the system up. They're going to pip install some bullshit package they don't need. And they're like, I need this package. And you're like, hold the fuck on here, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What the fuck are you doing here? You have no idea what you're doing. You're going to randomly install some fucking stupid package, some bobo fucking package, and... Mm-hmm. You know, your system's going to be host, and I have to come in behind you now and fix your fucking shit, and I don't want to do that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and that's the issue I take with virtual and specifically, look, don't get me wrong, it's fantastic for development. It's great for it's, development. It's really great for deployment, too, if you're not No, friend. it's not. Yes, it it's, is. It sucks for deployment. You're goddamn wrong. Because well, there's no okay, way to centrally manage it. Hold, hold on. That's you can't use bullshit. your change management. You can't yes, use your... Yes, you absolutely can. How, Jathan? What do you mean, How? How? You How do fucking... I upgrade user X's virtual end for project Y using change management? Well, I'm sorry that you use Ansible and it's inflexible, but I use Puppet and I can manage individual fucking virtual environments. How? With the fucking virtual environment Puppet module. What are you asking? <laughs> oh you can specify the name yes. of the project? What if you don't know the name of the project, Jathan? You have a path to a virtual environment. What if it's not in the usual place of virtual ends? Then why would I be managing it? Why are you managing it in the first fucking place? Because I manage web apps. What are you saying? So we Because do... you should be managing it on a system level, like every fucking other system, software of your system. What happens if you install a daemon, for instance, that is not in the package manager? You package it yourself because that's good practices, and it lets you centrally manage it. Same fucking thing for Dude, package I modules. just told you that I centrally manage virtual environments using Puppet. I understand that, but it's wrong. What? <laughs> you just lost, dude. No, no, I so, didn't. I'm making a super strong okay, case here. But I don't give a you fuck. You should use the on. system. I'm moving You on. should use the system mechanisms now, and the systems. You should. Systems. You should for most things. For everything. No, you shouldn't for web app deployments. You absolutely should. Nah, fuck you. Anyway. <laughs> no, 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 no. Web app is data. You know that why you code. should? It is data. You know why? It's not. Tell supporting me, libraries. tell me, what? when you get a Python project or mm-hmm. whatever, and it comes with a requirements.txt. Oh, you mean like C source? No, I mean a requirements.txt. Yeah, I mean, like any project that has to document its fucking re- requirements, you fucking knobhead. Sure, whatever. Listen, C projects, it doesn't matter. Everything lists it in, okay, you need to have these libraries so, installed. So it, how... Python sh- and other sh- sh- of this sh- sh- bullshit sh- system sh- of... of User installed packages. No, listen. Of user installed package culture, these are the only ones who say, oh, you can automatically install it with this. No, I don't want to. I want to install on the system level. Just give me a list of fucking libraries your project requires. It's fine That's if you're wrong. That's all I dude. want. I'm not wrong on you're this. You're wrong. I'm absolutely so not wrong. This tell is me, the correct way to approach tell it from me. an enterprise level. What? I'm using Arch. I have the AUR enabled with some AUR helper, right? 
Mm-hmm. I have a Python project oh. with a requirements.txt. How do I install all that shit with Pac-Man or my well, AUR what, helper? What modules do you need? Because they're everything in the requirements.txt. There's forty things in there. It's a big project. You could parse requirements.txt. Uh huh. Or I could just make a virtual environment and type pip install dash r requirements.txt, <laughs> and it's all good to go. And now you're running in a custom environment variable system. You're running in yeah. A fuck me for specific... having a virtual environment that isolates my fucking project from the rest of my system. Why would you need to do that? Just make a fucking different user. No, a different yeah, user dude. doesn't solve the problem unless you pip it install does. dash dash user. Well, you can do that. That's but I'm the saying same you should, fucking no, argument. Here's how you should be doing it, Jathan. I'll tell yeah, you let's how you should be doing it. Yeah, let's hear your grand idea. And this, because you're wrong, also, by the way. This also it's gives right, you this security. Is great. This I'm loving also this. I gives you security. I knew this was going to take fucking forever. This gives you fucking security benefits. Listen the <laughs> fuck up. It does not, because your it whole does. fucking You argument, haven't even fucking heard why. Your whole fucking argument is kibosh because Pac-Man it's not. does not even support security-only updates, you fuck. Why are you using Arch for a fucking project where you need to worry about this because in the first place? I'm a goddamn masochist. <laughs> okay, assuming we're using something like CentOS. No, fuck you. Which I'm is, not assuming I, that. Would you fucking listen? No, assuming because some people use Gentoo Assuming and you're using something like CentOS or RHEL, okay, so he which only wins you the should be using, which you should be using nah, in a production you. environment. Fuck you. No. Oh my god. You need to listen to this because this is going to save your ass. And if you get your shit compromised, I'm going to laugh at your ass forever about this. And I will post it everywhere on every social media account we have. So you need to listen. All one of them. <laughs> Which no, cross post to the other one. We have, we have Twitter and Facebook, but I mean, I can, I'm sure I can have ways Way of getting it out there. Way to make a fucking statement, dude. I have ways You're of getting doing it out it there. Now. I have ways of getting it. Would you fucking listen? I'm listening. So you have, in this case, a system installed set of modules. This is the ideal way to do it. This is then shared across the entire system. This also lets you centrally control those versions and lets you manage security updates for those. Great. <laughs> Moving on, you would run your separate web apps and separate users in separate homeders. Whether the homeder is set to survey you to be whatever, that's how you would do that. Nothing because like just then, a huge pain in the fucking nutsack. Oh, you mean the right way? No, the fucking the right, right way, way that segregates privileges for a web no, application. No, this segregates fucking privileges. This no, way, if Project you know, A gets compromised, it won't affect Project B. It won't affect Project C, because apparently your fucking Project A needs an insecure version of, mo of a module. You know what else is great? What you could just run Nginx in a fucking ch root. Why would you? And then you don't even need to fucking worry about your shitty fucking example because everything can just run with two users. Nginx and UWSGI or GUnicorn. But Look at that. You, but Fucking... Nginx already wow. runs as a non-root user. Why would you do this? Uh, it's are... easier to escape. It's easier to escape a CH root than get a privilege escalation for a normal non-root user. So Depends why, why on the vulnerability at hand, doesn't it? No. Yes, no, it does. No, CH root is pretty broken. So why would you do this? I don't know. Why is there official documentation for running Nginx in a CH root? Because people are still on shit like Solaris that doesn't really have the best track record. Run it in a fucking container then. Well, fuck containers. Which is, I think we all agree, fuck containers. Slight, uh, I'd rather run a container than do it your way. Well, I think you're just saying that out of spite. I'm not. You know Honest to fucking point. God, I think what you're saying is absolutely batshit crazy. It's not. You're you fucking have the wrong, code, dude. You have the code segregated into areas that cannot access each other. Right, exactly. You do that with virtual environments. No. Yes, you fucking do. Look, if someone can compromise Project A, they now have shell access. 
How right. easy is it for them to fucking get to Project B and Project C? Right. How does that change? How it? easy, Jathan? How does that change? It? How fucking easy? Pretty fucking easy, dude. Thank oh. you. No, how is it? No, there's no, no. It's pretty They're all easy, the dude. same permission ownership. Uh-huh. Right. So if Project A gets compromised, they get shell, they now have access to Project B and Project C. Your entire web app system is compromised. Okay, this is completely separate fucking debate. No, it isn't. This is a good example of why virtual env fucking can, sucks. No, it and doesn't. It's not for production. You can use home directories and still use virtual env, and all of a sudden you have the best of both worlds, you fuck. Why would you do both? At that point, you're just being redundant. No, you're not. You're solving the problem that you're indicating no, exists you're with not. my fucking proposed solution. No, if Project A needs a version of a module and Project B and Project C are fine with a system module, you can just pip install user for Project A. Done. Uh-uh. That Absolutely is fucking can. fragmented and stupid. That's Just enough. because you have shitty config management and you can't manage virtual environments with <laughs> Excuse yours? Excuse you. <laughs> I, I know it's shit. Don't worry. Because you use Ansible and it's garbage, but... All right, well, let me know when, when all your, your web app projects get compromised. That's the point being... That's never going to happen. Dude. Because, dude, first of all, I do only run... How often does this shit actually first, happen in the real world? Very seldom. It happens. Okay, we... It would not happen if they didn't use a virtual env, if right, they segregated by user. Let's step back. Okay. Yes. Step back. Yeah, let's step back. Step back. When's the step last back. time you heard of a WordPress site getting compromised? All the time. Yeah, probably like All today. Like time. an hour ago. Pro- probably five minutes yeah, ago. Probably. Yeah, probably. Moving on. When's the last time you heard about a fucking pyramid-based or Django-based site just getting hacked? Probably about a month ago. Yeah. It doesn't happen all the time. You're just fucking because exaggerating. Because it has a lower... No, point. it has a lower proliferation point. Way to make a lot of words. But anyway... It is not as common in the web market. You're so to still speak, as fucking WordPress. wrong. Even if no, I no, I'm not. First I'm of not. all, I think hosting web apps out of home is stupid as fuck. Second well, of all, it doesn't have to. Uh, when I say home dirt, I don't mean slash fucking home. Yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs> it could be slash serve slash HTTP slash project name. I don't really the give project a project name is the user. The name. point is, even if you were going to do that, I still think using virtual environments with just a base fucking Python install. And that's the only fucking thing that should be installed by the package manager is correct. No, I don't agree with that either. Well, you're wrong. It's fine. All I right, keep well, telling you, I'm sorry if your butt hurt that you're wrong, but it's okay. I dude, know. No, no, no. I know. No, that my butt is not no, hurt. No, no, no. I'm, I'm angry that you're such an idiot I, about this, and what? you don't, and you think security isn't important. No, that's what I said. I never said that. I you, even just you said, are absolutely saying that. In nope. Less, in I less even words. just said I could compromise, and every fucking web app could run as its own user in its own home directory. That's fine. At which point, the whole point of virtual env is useless. No, it is not. It absolutely is. I never said it was for security reasons. What is the point of it? It's for fucking version control, you dumbass. Then you're not considering the security aspect of it, and that makes it insecure. No, that doesn't mean... What? How? If you have three fucking separate web apps, mm-hmm. they're all running in isolated places as isolated users, but you're using virtual yep. environments, that doesn't mean you're not thinking about security. No, my point is in that case that your virtual env usage is totally redundant and pointless. No, it isn't. It's the right it way to do it. Absolutely is. No, it is. it's not. Yes, it is. It, it's absolutely it's not. Definitely the right then way. Then why to do it. isn't it bundled with stock Python? I don't know why isn't it. I think it depends on your distro first. No, of all. no, no, no. Yes, why it isn't it bundled with stock Python? On CentOS seven, it is. It is absolutely not. Okay, yum. Install Python three four. Let me know if you have pip. I have Python three six installed. Hold on. Okay, that's different, by the way. Sure. Two one one. Oh, hold on. But go go ahead. Tell me why it's necessary. No, I'm moving on. This is fucking stupid. <laughs> uh-huh. We're beating a dead horse. Yeah, well... It's already dead. 
It's because you don't care about security, and I'm mad that you're telling our listeners to do insecure practices. Listen, listeners, if you want to be a better listener, you contact me for setting up your Python web. Oh my god, don't, don't do, do it. that. Don't do it. Don't no, do I it. never said I didn't care about security, and anybody who's fucking listening already knows that. That you don't care about security? No, you idiot. First of all, for what it's worth, at my actual day job, I do run a separate fucking VM for every project. Do you? I realize, though, that that's not feasible for everybody, because not everybody even every has a fucking, fucking VM, VM infrastructure. Payton, don't fuck with me. I'm not fucking with you. I'll drive hey, there. Hey, Jathan, I just installed Python 3.4, and VirtualM doesn't get installed. Go figure. Do it. Drive here. So it's a separate package? It's an absolutely What's separate package. What's it called? Well, fuck if I know. I don't even think it's in stock repo. Hold it on. is. Yes, it is. You fuck. All right, let's see. If anything, it's probably Python 3.4. No matches found for virtual... Oh, no, okay, it's called Venv v- in Python 3. It was called Virtual Env in Python 2. Well, that's not installed either. Python 3-M Venv. Does that work? You know, Jathan, for someone who claims to have a... No, there's... What is it? V-E-N-V? Yeah, I've got a strong working knowledge of glory holes. Well, you apparently don't have a strong working <laughs> knowledge of CentOS 7 because it's not in there either. That's because I'm a fucking man and I use Gen 2. <laughs> You absolutely don't use Gentoo. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Here's the thing, everybody, is we're really fucking heated right now, but in like 20 minutes we'll be fine. Well, I'm fine right now. Yeah. I was, I no, was... I'm not fine yet. Well, I'll be fine, fine soon. You're, you're a little bit more emotional than I am. But I, Can I, I talk about R now? Yeah, please. Talk yes, about talk R. about R. Please bitch about R. So, please. Uh, so here's the thing. Another thing at work, I have to maintain often, and I've talked about it before, mm-hmm. and this makes packaging with something like Yum kind of a bitch sometimes. I have to maintain, you know, not just the current version of something, but the last five, because if you publish on something or you're trying to reproduce results, you might have to use an older version than what is current. Mm -hmm. Python allows you to do that because you can do, you know, Python setup.py dash dash. I don't even know what the hell the flag is, but, you know, you can set a path for where it installs. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I can have opt numpy python to 1.11.0. And then I can have opt numpy python 3 1.11.0, et cetera, et cetera, whatever. Here's the thing. Fucking R doesn't really allow you to do that. So fuck R. And if you maintain even like a personal R library, mm-hmm. like kind of the equivalent of a pip install dash dash user, mm-hmm. by default, you can do some really hacky shit with environment variables to make separate libraries. But by default, R will not let you install multiple versions of the same package and specify which you'd like to use so in my book r is just a useless fucking language yeah i think the only people that use it are mostly mathematicians there's a lot of people in bioinformatics my friend a lot of people well that's kind of mathematic mathematic related right it's just mostly used for sequencing no there's a lot of graphical tools in r like visualization tools for graphing and plotting and also like deseq2 is a package that a lot of people use Mm. It's for, like, differential expression of RNA-seq data, I think. I don't even fucking know. But I know a lot of people use it. There's a whole suite of tools that fall under this sort of... I don't know if it's a company or who the fuck they are, but they're called Bioconductor. Yeah. People use a lot of shit from Bioconductor. And what's worse about Bioconductor... See, Bioconductor doesn't even use CRAN to host their R packages. They use their own fucking bullshit installer. And what's worse about that is the versions of software are tied to versions of R. So you can't get a newer version of DEseq2 without upgrading R itself. And it's, that's fucking terrible. It's almost as if having a localized system of packages is worse than having a centralized system of packages. Well, in this case... What? 
if you could have virtual environments in R, everything would be fine. I don't know about But that. also in Python, because it's a normal fucking language, Python module versions are not tied as tightly to Python versions themselves. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Because that's just like, oh, let's put pants on our head and run around in circles. So but, I thought it was just this one distributor of this certain R, what was it, Bio? Biocon... Bioconductor. Bioconductor. Are there is their shit the only stuff that is closely tied to R version, or is it no, every no. R package? This is like an R thing. Oh my gosh. Like, oh, to get the latest version R. of this R package, you have to upgrade your R installation. So, and that means, conversely, if you update R on your system, then you have to all, upgrade every, every single... package. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking hell. Here's the other thing. In Python, in particular, I've seen this a lot. Like, we have fucking pip, which is Supplied by <clears throat> Python. Like, using PIP mm-hmm. is okay. Included in 3.6. Yeah, yeah. But then... Oh, it is. Yeah. How about virtual At least on, on Windows. On, our, on CentOS... On what? Virtual Did end? you figure out if... Yeah, is it included? It is not. It's not included. I'm pretty sure it is. <laughs> it's 100% not. Okay, but, well, I'll, I'll put it in the show notes when I find it, but... When you find out you're wrong. Sure. That's well, an errata point. I can be wrong. But here's the thing. Yes. Within Python, we also now have these stupid fucking Python distributions, like anaconda and bioconda and it's like why the fuck do you need all this stupid shit like just use pip all the packages you need are there but Mm -hmm. for whatever reason people think it's easier to use bioconda because bioconda for what it's worth can also install you know our packages for you because that Uh, makes all the fucking sense in the world so wait wait, so you're saying that pip is jaython you're saying that pip is built into python what you're saying as a 3.6 it is yeah it, it's not really built in Some, you do have to in, if you're compiling python you have to have the you have to dash enable dash it and sure yeah. pip you have to yeah, enable it. but it's now distributed it's not a separate project as a so, 3.6 correct but in so, CentOS so and probably some other distros with 3.6 they package it separately yeah they even build arch python does, twice in arches yeah python yeah they pip. do yeah I guess that's just to avoid confusion with past versions, but I think it's silly that they do that, but, you know, whatever. Well, I think it's so they can upgrade PIP separate from the Python distribution. All right, so you guys because so you guys hate this stuff, which is fine, I hate it too. <laughs> uh-huh. If you had to use one, if, you, if someone sat you down and said, look, we need a package manager for the developers, which one would you use? Fucking yum. Be a man. No, 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 no. Run a container. If you absolutely had to use well, something outside of a distro package manager. Well, I think that's... If you're being forced, like, your job depended on you well, doing then it, that. Wouldn't it matter what they were trying to install? Yeah, it matters on the language they're using, but... I, Certainly I, I not think fucking be... NPM if we could avoid it, but... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah maybe, Fuck it, let maybe them break the whole thing. Who cares anymore? <laughs> no, because... I mean, I mean because the, we're the, the ones question that have to is, fix it. Too. If they're not using their home directories, right. who cares, you know? They don't care about security. So... I mean, it's just, you know, pick a, pick a language, whatever, mm-hmm. absolute, best case scenario, if you had a choice, but you had to use an external package manager, I mean, which one would you use? I think, given out of all of them there, I think Pip does do the best job. It's yeah. the least bad. <laughs> it's like the least obtrusive. Yeah, yeah. And to be fair, Python's structure in terms of where they put things you install, mm-hmm. you know, if I knew that I installed NumPy with Pip... And not my package manager, my distro-supplied package manager. Oh, it's easily programmatically findable, yeah. Yeah, I could wipe out, you know, Python base slash site packages slash NumPy, and I know I've gotten rid of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here's the thing, though. My actual answer to that question is APM. They can install packages for Atom. They can extend their text editor, and that's it. Atom? Yeah. <laughs> APM. 
Adam comes know. with his why own fucking it, package manager. Why does a text editor have its own package manager? Like plugins, of... plugins <laughs> I can thing. understand. It's like, gotten brackets, out of hand, dude. Well, Brackets has plugins, and I get that, but it's like it's built into the editor, and you're like, all right, you manage your plugins within the editor. That makes sense, I guess. But like an entire package manager dependency system for an editor for a text editor. Look, oh, Vis- Visual Studio Code is worse, man. Uh. You APM install or you go home. <laughs> If you can't get your development done, uh, yeah, I'm really bad at being drunk. If you can't get your <laughs> development done without APM, you're fired. Mm-hmm. That's how I work. That's, that's, that's a requirement for employment. Continue well, I'm employment. not giving them fucking PIP, so they get APM. That's it. <laughs> at least okay, APM well. by default installed in your home directory. Yeah, that's true. Well, I think, I think it's, we've just I, about actually, run this fucking course. We have, so. we have. I do want to say one I'm, closing I'm, remark. You know. I mean, I could fucking go on about this for Jesus a long time. I know, time. I know. I'm very mad. I feel, I feel bad for quite upset. Hold on. A bit. I'm also really drunk, Hold but I'm very mad. A bit of, I'm holding on. I have some, a bit of good news. I think slated for Python 3.7, pip by default no longer installs to root. It, it, it installs to the user. Oh, that's good. Oh, which is good. God. That's good. Which is Somebody good. did a thing. Yeah, so I think we should do the baddie right. now. Yeah, let's do the baddie. Oh, wow. Do I have to do it? It's your segment. I'm it's your to order Chinese food right now. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. Well, I can't drive to Taco Bell. How? You can't wait like an extra like 10 minutes for the episode. No, they're to about out. to close. Well. Oh my uh, God. Okay. So here's the thing. Today we're recording. It's Wednesday, March 28th, 2018. Mm-hmm. Yesterday on Tuesday, March 27th, 2018. <laughs> uh-huh. Don't you laugh at me, bitch. <laughs> Drupal, you know. Our favorite CMS, which actually, compared to WordPress, I think I would take Drupal, mm-hmm. but it's mm-hmm. not like my favorite thing in the world, you know? Yeah, it, in order of preference, it goes WordPress, Joomla, Drupal for me. But... From least to best? Yes. Okay. I, yeah, I forgot Joomla was a thing. I don't know why people use that. Not many people but, do. But, yeah. Anyway, so Drupal, about a week ago, released this special notice to people who they know administer a large amount of Drupal sites. That was basically like, hey... We found a really, really bad security vulnerability. We're going to patch it on March 27th within this one and a half hour window. They only sent that to certain people? I thought it was a general announcement. Not actually entirely sure from this article. Okay. I, In any I case, hope it was a general announcement. I heard about this originally from somebody who works within an organization that uses Drupal a lot. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's why I knew about this, actually, because I don't follow Drupal because it's fucking useless to <laughs> right, me. Right. Like most things in this world. <laughs> There's not a whole lot of reason to be on Earth right now. <laughs> okay. I'm going with okay. Elon to Mars. <laughs> all right. But anyway. Oh, my fucking God. Hurry up. <laughs> I'm hurrying up. Shut up. No, you're not. Uh, all right, go. Go, go. Just go. So, <laughs> every single fucking time, dude. <laughs> oh, my God. I haven't gotten drunk since this shit show. So, so here's the thing. Uh, so, Drupal announces this, says, hey, we know this is a week out, but we want to give you time for a downtime notice. For your users, for your customers, for whoever, because this is a big deal. You need to fix it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, these people are waiting a week. There's no details released. They can schedule downtimes, but there's not really a plan for actually fixing things because we don't know if this is part of Drupal core or if it's some kind of, you know, common extension or what the fuck the case may be. Mm-hmm. Yesterday, March 27th happens, mm-hmm. the window hits, and people are like, fuck yeah, we're going to update Drupal. <laughs> and within moments of this patch being released and Drupal announcing it, Drupal's website, which is responsible for disseminating not only the patch itself, but also, like, information about the patch, mm-hmm. just starts erroring out. And people who have scheduled downtimes a week in advance, because Drupal told them to, 
no longer can actually update their systems. <laughs> now, the article that we're going to link to is from the register. Mm-hmm. I don't actually know how long the site was down. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe it was only like two minutes and that's not such a huge deal. But in any case, I feel like if you're making a huge fucking hype out of something that you fucked up, by the way, mm-hmm. you probably should make sure that you have adequate resources to handle the number of people that are going to be downloading this patch that you've hyped up. Or at least make it available through multiple alternate... Systems. Yeah, like throw, ask... it on, throw it on a fucking cedar somewhere. Well, Don't you have a fucking sake, mirror? I mean, fucking you're shit, You're a dude. fucking open source project. Ask for some donations right. from a CDN for a day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. shit. Like, no kidding, but do it. And they're not that hard up for money. They, like, I don't know if yeah. you knew this, but the Barack Obama administration used Drupal for WhiteHouse.gov. So, like, they've... Well, that's well why known. it cost $8 million. They have some Jesus good Christ. funding available, but yeah. yeah. So in any case, I will say that it seems like, well, as far as like responsible disclosure goes, I think Drupal did a great job communicating. It's just... Did they? Yeah. I don't know why I used Barack Obama's full name. I should have well, just said the Obama administration. No, no, you should have just said, the Barack you Obama said thank you, Obama, for using you, Drupal. Yeah, thanks, Obama. <laughs> in any case, I do want to say Drupal did a good job communicating this well ahead of time. It seems like they did a good, a good job prioritizing people who use Drupal more than others or who are maybe higher vulnerability level because of who they are in general, whatever. Mm. But at the same time, if you're going to release a patch, probably make sure <laughs> Maybe that, make it available. <laughs> yeah, make sure people can actually get the patch. Yeah, I would have invested in Especially if you're encouraging them to schedule downtimes before it actually happens. Exactly. <laughs> so on that note, Drupal, you're okay in my book. But? But you're still getting a baddie. Yeah. Baddie for days. Yeah. So, yeah. bitches. Yeah. That was great. I'm really drunk. I'd like to order my Chinese food. Can we wrap this up? Yeah. This has been System Ministervia. I'm Brad. I'm Jonathan, and I'm right about Pip. <laughs> and I'm Peyton. But wrong Fuck about Jay Thon and his Pip. <laughs>